Hey everyone, this is Max. Just a heads up before we start today's episode, we recorded episodes one and two together about a week ago, and since then a couple of things have happened that we will seem entirely ignorant of when you listen. The first is Jonte Porter, Michael Porter Jr.'s younger brother, deciding to remove himself from the NBA draft and return to school at Missouri. We actually discuss Jonte Porter at length, uh, specifically focusing on his weight issues, Uh, So keep in mind when you're listening to that that we did not know he would not be in the NBA draft. The second thing is the Brian Colangelo burner account news. You'll hear David bemoan Brian Colangelo's performance as the Philadelphia Sixers GM. In fact, he specifically wonders whether Brian Colangelo will screw up massively at some point. Uh, I don't think he had any idea it would be so soon, but he'll seem pretty prescient when you listen to that part of the episode. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the sun's get set to shine. Perry, the guy heard. Here's the jump shot. Comes to Marley, a long three. He got it. He got it. Into Booker. Here's the three. Suzanne. Oliver for Charles, and he flies in for a wham, bam, slam, double time. Hello and welcome everybody to the 7 Seconds or Less podcast. This is a podcast about both the NBA generally and the Phoenix Suns specifically. My name is Max McCauley. If you're listening to this, you may already know me as MaxMCC11 on Twitter. I'm joined by my co-host all the way from Melbourne, Australia. You may know him already as the Four Point Play. It's David Nash. How you doing, David? I'm good, thanks, Max. How are you? I am excellent. I'm excited to talk about 9 through 16 of the NBA draft. Yeah, and, and quick shout out to anyone that listened to us uh, fumble through that first one and uh, have come back for the second pod. Really, Yeah, we do appreciate it. that. Yeah, Maybe a little rocky at the start, but I think we smoothed out as we went on. It's, it's going to be a journey. Join us. <laughs> yeah, we're amateurs, but we're going we're gonna to get better at this. That's our promise to you. Uh, real quick before we get going with the show, uh, quick mission statement. You can listen to the full one in the, in the first episode, but this is going to be a podcast both about the NBA generally and the Suns specifically. We're both giant NBA nerds, I think it's fair to say. Uh, obsessives, maybe. <laughs> uh, so we'll talk about the NBA generally, but also we're both Suns fans, so we're going to focus on the Phoenix Suns. Okay, so like I said, this is going to be a 9 through 16 draft. So we're going to go through from New York at 9 through the Phoenix Suns at 16. Uh, before we get started, though, let's, I'm going to turn it over to David for his weekly segment, Did You Know? Yeah, so last week we had Neil Walk. Uh, so keeping that theme with, uh, with the number two pick last week because we've uh, never had a one. Uh, I've gone back and, and Max, did you know? We've only had one pick 16 in Suns history. I did not know. Any chance at all that you may be able to name who that is? Oh, God. Uh, Can you give me like a decade? Uh, I can. I can even tell you he was picked in the 1975 draft. All right. Well, then I'm lost. Who is it? (laughs) (laughs) It's a gentleman by the name of Ricky Sobers. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, I'll get on. He's he's had some, uh, you know, famous 
Suns time. So, you know, he was uh, he was a pick 16 in the 75 draft, as I said. Uh, 6'3", 198 pounds from the Bronx, went to UNLV. A uh, bit of a combo guard, which I'm sure wasn't a term back then. But You see, you know, that, could... that's what I like is when an NBA team used to take guys from the Bronx. You know, Now we're considering <laughs> European guys number one. What the hell happened to us? I don't know. We, we, we lost the battle. We lost the battle. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Ricky, he, he, had, he played a couple of seasons with the Suns, but um, probably most famously, he went off in Game 5 of the 1976 Finals, or also known as the greatest game ever played, Boston versus Phoenix. Uh, Ricky played 25 minutes. He went 11 of 22 and had three from deep wow. and six assists. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, he he went ham. Yeah. All right, Ricky. Well, I hope our I hope our number sixteen pick this year will have a moment like that. Yeah, you never know. So uh, hopefully, our number sixteen pick this year plays more than two seasons. Uh, yeah, that would be what, good. <laughs> what Ricky did with Phoenix um, before going off to to Indiana, Chicago, Washington, and Seattle. So um, you know, last last thing on Ricky, I, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole here, Max, and uh, in. September 6th, 1977. You'll have to follow me here. Okay. Uh, the, the Suns and the Pacers kind of went on a little bit of a journey together. So, 77, Ricky was traded by the Suns to the Pacers for a guy named Don Buse. Okay. Three years later, in November 25, 1980, the Suns traded Don Buse back to the Indiana Pacers for a 1981 second round draft pick and they a 1982 so second round draft pick. Uh, that 1982 second round draft pick became a gentleman by the name of Jose Slaughter. Ooh, that's a cool name. That is, and, and he suited up to the Suns for a little bit, but you guessed it, June 8, 1981, Jose was traded by the Phoenix Suns to <laughs> none other than the Indiana Pacers wow. for a gentleman by the name of Dudley Bradley. You know that kind of uh, just makes me think that the the GMs of the of the, those two teams, Suns and the Pacers, were just like drinking buddies and would just stay up late drinking and they like, make stupid trades. Yeah, and, and and those those last two trades, I think mate, something might have been going on there because uh, Phoenix also relinquished the option to swap first round draft picks in that second trade. So I'm not sure if uh, you know there was some discussions around that first trade and then maybe doing a follow up trade. Uh, less than six months later, by the looks of things. So that's you know, incredibly maybe some, fishy. Maybe some uh, dodgy things back in back in the the eighties. So Dudley ended up playing one season for Phoenix before signing with Chicago as a free agent, just to round out that story. So that's our uh, did you know for this week? I uh, I definitely did not know that or any of that. <laughs> I hope to uh to keep keep stumping you. Yeah, I like I like learning new things. Okay, uh, without further ado, let's go on to 9 through 16 of the draft. Um, I, last time I started with number 1, you finished with number 8, so I will go ahead and start up with number 9 right now. Number 9 yeah, belongs I'm, to... I'm going to get 16. Yeah, you get 16, and I, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and throw out some 16 too because we, we, all, <laughs> care about the, we all care about the Suns. Uh, okay, so number 9, New York. Uh, I think they're kind of devastated Trey Young's not here. That would be my favorite pick for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that, love the fit with Nilakina and uh, Porzingis, but that's not an option. So I'm, I think I'm gonna. It's, it's decisions between the two Bridges. Bridges is uh, how do you say the plural Bridges? Bridges is. Let's go with Bridges just because Brid- it sounds Bridges-es. hilarious. It does. Uh, 
it's I think they would probably take Mikael Bridges. He seems to have a higher you know profile among the NBA teams, but I would rather have Miles for them. So I'm gonna go with Miles Bridges. Has a little okay. more uh, offensive creation upside than Mikael does, I think. And that's mm-hmm. something that they kind of need out of the wing, uh, unless you really, really love Tim Hardaway Jr., which I think he's fine, but he's overpaid, obviously. Because uh, they loved him. Because they loved him a lot. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I, I love Miles. I think Miles can play next to Persingas, small ball forward, uh, you know, Persingas at the five. That, that I think that sounds awesome to me. It'd be a lot mm-hmm. of fun to watch. Uh, it fits fine with New Akina. Makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I like the pick. Um, I think you're right. I think they'd be devastated that Young's not there, if that's the case come draft night. Um, and yeah, I agree. They're probably choosing between what will now be known as the two bridges. The two bridges. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just real quick, touching on his fit with Phoenix. Uh, again, I think his best fit's probably power forward, so that's a little questionable with Bender or Chris. But he's... You know he's only like what is he six six? I think he measures the combine, so mm-hmm. I, I think there's he could probably play in a lot of wing positions. So I think I think the fit would be fine. Yeah, I like it. Cool. All right, let's well, do number ten. You're on the clock. You're Philadelphia. This is an interesting one. It's really interesting. They could go a, a few ways with this. There's obviously the other bridge. The other um, bridge. <laughs> the other bridge. Uh, it's. It's pretty tough for me to go past Smith here, and I think it's going to be pretty tough for Philly to do the same. Um, I'm actually fascinated with what Philly are going to do with JJ Redick this offseason, just as a little aside. He really wants um, to be back there, it seems like. I think they're he, going to figure something out. Yeah, you'd think they'll be able to figure something out. Obviously, they paid him um, a, a, a large whack of money this season. Um, but you know the way that bird rights works, and if they do want to chase... A big fish. It's it's kind of going to be tough for them. Um, but yep. you know, you know, he said he you know essentially had his uh, the most fun this season with that team. So let's hope he can get back there. But um, I'm going to go Smith, I believe, for Philly at ten. Um, I think probably what we saw in the playoffs against Boston. Um, you know, Philly could really do with another wing. I think you know I, I'm not I'm certainly not moving away from Ben Simmons playing point guard. Um, and you know, as disappointing as Embiid was towards the the end of the year, there's kind of no doubting what he is as a prospect. So yep. you've kind of got you got your one and your five there. Uh, jury's out on Rocco. I'm sure they'd want to move him for a um, you know more offensively minded small forward, power forward at some stage. Interesting. But, you know, so you you think that? Huh? I I think they like him a lot. I think they like him a lot, but I think. Uh, you know these things are you know in this day and age with with the NBA. You know, is it does the love dry up a little bit now that oh, he's yeah. earning a, a hell of a lot more money? He than also, what he was I mean, previously. sorry Sixers fans, but he he kind of shat the bed in the playoffs a little bit. He did, and that that stuff matters. That's where you start to really get judged by you know internal front offices and things. So, yep. Um, but yeah, that aside, I think I think Smith fits. Uh, I think he's got an incredible amount of upside. Um, you know, like we spoke about on the on the last pod, he's you know, probably destined to be the biggest riser, um, and has probably already risen to the point where he can't go much further in inside that top ten. But who knows? You know, there might be someone, you know, even around five or six that will look at him. Uh, yeah. But if he's there, if he's there at ten, I think the Sixers take him. I totally agree. It would have been my pick with uh, the Sixers number ten pick as well. I, I love the kid. Uh, he's incredible. If you haven't watched him, like 
even if you don't want to spend time scouting him or anything, just go watch his YouTube highlights at the very least. The guy is awesome. He explodes off the screen. He's probably the most fun to watch in terms of just pulling up some highlights from, from the college season. A little bit of a disappointing combine. I think he was like 6'2 without shoes, 6'4 in shoes, which is you know shorter than I think a lot of people thought he was. Yeah, not great. Um, not great. I, I heard a lot of people talking about him playing small ball power forward in the NBA. I, I don't know if I see that if he's 6'4 in shoes. Um, no. Even though yeah. Charles Barkley did it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Charles Barkley did it. Charles Barkley is a bit of a, a phenomenon. Uh, Zaire Smith, I, I think he's going to be excellent. He's going to be a wing 3 and D guy. I'm higher on his shot than a lot of people are. It's a little – the release isn't perfect, but, I mean, it goes in. I I, feel, I like it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else about Zaire? His offensive rebounding is underrated. That guy is just tenacious on the boards. There's just – I recommend watching him play. He's so much fun. Yeah, and, you know, outside of that, um, you know, disappointing height measurement, which, you know, he can't really help, um, you know, he had a pretty good combine in, in the other – in the That's other true. Yeah, he looks good shooting the ball. Um, he, from what I saw, mm-hmm. uh, obviously was was top five in in standing vertical leap and and max vertical leap as well. Shocker! I can't believe that after watching his face. <laughs> um, and I believe he was, you know, they some of these tests are you know kind of hard to, um, you know, really break down. But I'm pretty sure he was, you know, top two or three in the three-quarter sprint. So he's got some serious, you know, speed behind him as well. So it's a pretty uh, pretty lethal combination. And, um, you know, I just think as athletic as Philly already are, they can, you know, probably showed particularly up against Boston and, and that kind of, um, you know, wall of wings that they throw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they could really do with someone like Zia. Yep. He's also, he's really, really young. I think he's one of the youngest prospects in the draft. He was not expected to come out this year. He was expected to be a 2019 guy. Yeah. Uh, but he was just so much better in college. People thought he was going to be... He had to come out now. Uh, real quickly, let's talk about his fit in the Suns. Uh, love it. Love it, love it, love it. Give it to me, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either, whether they take Doncic or Aiton at number one, I, I would love him with both. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if, if Doncic and Zaire Smith are on the team? Oh, God. That would make... I might pass out in draft night if that happened. Um, I, um... Yeah, I... <laughs> He's, I mean, we might touch on this at another point, but he's like the uh, the ultimate trade-up kind of option for Phoenix, I think, at, at getting Just up to Just Yeah, a teaser for the seven seconds or less uh, segment that, that might be touched on. Um, <laughs> uh, one, oh, so one more, one more point I wanted to make about Philly, about what they'll actually do. I agree with you. I think that uh, Shea Gillis, Alexander, and Zaire are very much in play. The, the thing that scares the hell out of me is if Brian Colangelo panics and takes Colin Sexton. Uh, just worried about oh, about faults. That would just ugh, that would just be the, a horrible fit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even gonna. I, I'm not a Colangelo fan, and I'm just waiting for him to stuff this up. <laughs> yeah, so were so was every Philadelphia fan that I've seen. <laughs> they're all they're all terrified. Of what Frank Colangelo's gonna do. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So it's my turn. I'm Charlotte at eleven. Oh, man, this Charlotte's one of those. It's so depressing, isn't it? It is. I think what they're going to do is blow it up. Uh, they brought in a new GM. They're going to have a new coach. I think they're going to trade Kemba uh, potentially to Phoenix if we take eight, and I could see that happening. Yeah. Um, maybe even if we take Doncic. What do you think about that as an aside? If, if they get Doncic and still trade for Kemba, that's interesting. That's very interesting because I, um, 
I haven't thought about this so much lately, but you know, certainly early on in my uh, you know Dontich love affair, as as some people might say, uh, you know, I really saw him as a six man to start mm-hmm. with. Um, so yeah, I, I could see it, particularly if you know Phoenix is trying to um, you know toe that line of you know really pushing for the playoffs yep. whilst uh, you know keeping the the timeline chugging along underneath, so to speak. And offensively, I mean, a small ball lineup with Kimba, Booker, Jackson, and Doncic, and whoever the five is, that's fun. Yeah, and that's that's why I've toyed with Doncic as, um, as the sixth man, because, yep. you know, generally, you, if your sixth man's really good, he's he's finishing the game anyway. And, exactly. Uh, you, he might get to do what he wants to a little bit more if he if he starts the game, uh, you know, with a unit built solely around him. Yep, I totally agree with that. Uh, okay, but turning back to Charlotte... Uh, I think what they're going to do is take Colin Sexton, if I had to guess. I I wouldn't do that, though. I would I would take a point guard, but it would be a different one. I think I would take Shea here. Shea Gilgis-Alexander from Kentucky. Uh, super tall, athletic point guard, six foot six, a big old wingspan. Crazy upside. He's an athlete. He's skinny as hell. I think I saw he was only like five or six pounds heavier than Trey Young. And he's like, you know, obviously four inches taller than him. So that's a little scary. It is a little scary, yeah. He had like a crazy, um, like body fat measurement at the combine as well. Um, oh yeah, it was like yeah, like three percent or something like that, right? Three percent, yep, three percent. Yeah, that dude needs to get in the weight room. But the upside is tremendous. I, I could see Charlotte trying to build around a new perimeter, uh, you know, in primary initiator. Um, yeah, that's the pick I would make. What do you think? I think that's a good pick. I think you broke it down perfectly. I think I could see someone like MJ leaning on his new GM to take a guy like Colin Sexton, particularly if they are going to get rid of Kemba. Um, but Couldn't I you just see Michael Jordan falling in love with Colin Sexton's personality too? Oh, 100%. I, I, you know, that, that four-on-five game or three-on-five game or whatever. Yeah, ended up being, against like, Minnesota. That just seems, that just seems that like fun. an MJ game if ever I've seen one. Like, totally. You know, just love, loving the fact that, you know, and I loved it too, but um, yeah, I didn't really love the rest of Colin Sexton's season. And, yep. um, you know, again, I'm willing to put my hand up and say that uh, I've probably been a little bit harsh on Colin Sexton because of the fact that we are out the other side of the Bledsoe experience. And, <laughs> right, um, yeah. Yeah, I see a lot of a lot of the same in a, in a guy that's, you know, not really a traditional point guard that you kind of hope that will turn into one. And then, you know, you're seven years into his career and he still hasn't turned into one. And that's kind of what I see in, in Sexton, which may be unfair, but you know, just calling it how I see it. Yep. I actually have made the Bledsoe comparison before. I, it's not perfect, but I do think it's, it's apt and pretty concerning. Uh, just real quick, touching on Shea Gilders Alexander's fit in Phoenix. It's good. I think he projects to play. You'll be really nice next to Booker. Cause he's long athletic can defend potentially. Uh, yep. The shooting is a bit of a question mark. I, I, it is, I would, yeah. I wouldn't say he can't shoot, but I, I, it's not a safe bet that he's going to be able to shoot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll touch on this a, a little bit in maybe around 16 and then probably on our next episode as well. But, um, you know, you're really looking for a very specific player to play next to Booker. Um, SGA, as I like to call him, is, is definitely in the conversation. But, it, yeah, he doesn't tick all the boxes, but... 
you know, as I'll probably get to later, there's actually not many guys that do tick all the boxes that you're looking for. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in a guy like SGA, particularly if he was there at 16 for Phoenix. Yep, same here. Uh, okay, I think that's enough on that. Let's move to the Clippers at 12. Who you got? Yeah, so we're in an interesting position here. I feel like we can kind of work together a little bit. Clippers sure. have got back-to-back picks. Um you know, there has been some rumors and reports that they may try and package both of those together to really move up, which I think would actually be a really smart move because, you know, the Clippers, you know, they have some nice pieces already and, um, you know, it really does feel like a kind of top eight draft to me just yep. before the, the Bridges is. Um, so, you know, that, that could be something that they look to do, but if they are looking to, um, to draft back to back and you kind of look at their young pieces or, or, you know, lack of, um, and then look at kind of who's on the board. It's, it's pretty interesting. You know, do they go big, small, do they go small, small, do they go small, big? Um, not really sure. You could, you could see them looking at a guy like Sexton potentially. Um, what are your thoughts? What, what, what would you be doing at this position? So, like you said a little earlier, the Clippers have some nice pieces, but I don't really see anybody on that roster as someone that you build around long-term. So, I really they're really kind of wide open, in my view. I think I would lean towards a big and a small, like you said. But, I mean, the, the issue is that I think there's some intriguing wings in this class. I don't know if there's any... Well, actually, Mikhail Bridges is on the board, isn't he? We have one of the Bridges. Yeah, I was just trying to kind of look back at, at uh, I actually haven't been, um, you know, noting down our, our picks as we've been going, but yeah, he is definitely there. Okay. Um, so I'll turn it back to you, but I think that would be in consideration for me. Yeah, I think you've pointed me in the right direction there, to be perfectly honest. Um, pretty hard for them to pass up on him, but um, that'll certainly make your next pick uh, a little more interesting, I suppose. Um, I'm not going to touch on Mikel too much purely because, you know, you kind of um, looked at both the, the bridges before for the for the New York pick. But, yeah, I think you make a good point. There's, you know, um, extending on what I was saying early on, there's, there's not a hell of a lot in terms of youth on the Clippers roster that um, you kind of make decisions around. So let's go bridges. Um, and then you're on the clock with a, a pretty difficult decision i think to to back that up yeah um someone stands out to me pretty clearly okay uh i don't think this is who they would take and also by the time you're all listening to this he may not even be in the draft anymore uh but i would take jonte porter uh, michael porter jr's brother yep i think there's a lot of upside there uh that he's a really really skilled big can shoot can pass uh he's fat which is a problem <laughs> <laughs> The kid has got I, he's got baby fat on him. I think he's going to get in the gym. And he'll he'll there's actually some untapped upside there. I think because of the, of, the, of his current fatness. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just love the guy's skill. I think he's got a lot of upside. And I think if the Clippers can come away with Mikael Bridges and John Day Porter, they they'd be pumped. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, it's it's hard, you know. I've been trying to tr- track, uh, you know, Jerry West's influence over this team i definitely think that he had influence on the on the blake griffin trade for sure um and you know i'm sure he's sitting back earning a pretty healthy paycheck off the clippers but 
it's hard to see what he what his I guess thoughts would be around you know starting to build this team again. But um, you know, taking a guy like Porter might be a good decision, and, and definitely a good decision after taking um, Bridges the the pick before. So yeah, I think the Clippers would be happy walking away, you know, with those two guys at at eleven and twelve from their draft. Yep, I totally agree with that. Uh, real quickly, let's talk about those two guys fit with the Suns. Uh, Mikael Bridges, I would love his fit. 3 and D. Just give me more 3 and D, please. This team desperately needs it. Yep. Uh, and then Jonte, yeah, would love that as well. Uh, we obviously need a center. He's a high IQ guy. He's a little questionable to protect the rim. Um, he's subject to a lot of the same concerns about defending on the perimeter, but... You're not investing a number one pick in him. You're investing a later pick in him. And I think he, uh, he especially as a small ball or backup five, he has a lot of a lot of appeal for the Suns. Yeah, uh, you, just quickly, you, you touched on a little bit before. And as you said, it might be a little bit outdated by the time this pod comes out. But um, you know, what's, your, what's your gut feel on, on him staying in the draft? <sighs> it's so hard. Um, I mean, I think he, I would say if I were him, but the reports are that he's leaning towards not staying. I think yeah. teams were really disappointed with his conditioning at the Combine. I think he got yeah. a lot of uh, negative feedback, so my guess is that he doesn't stay in the trap, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think if you look at um, you know the, the strength of the next year's class, I think that's going to, in some of these decisions about whether guys stay or not, might um, you know certainly factor in. Uh, totally. Uh, I, uh, I made this point, actually. Uh, I was talking with uh, Rich and Kellen Olsen on Twitter, and... Uh, I, I, given how weak the next class is, like if Jonte Porter just gets into kick-ass shape and comes into college and, and just, you know, down from 13% body fat to eight and just is awesome, I, I could see him totally being a borderline top five pick. Yeah. Is he really at 13% body? He is. Yeah. He led, yep. the, he led the combine in, in the stat you don't yeah. want to lead it. Like in. I said, he is fat. <laughs> yeah, you weren't lying. No, but, uh, but that, hey, some of that's good to me. There's upside there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I I can't remember if it was in relation to Jonte or not, but I I heard someone say you know a great thing in terms of staying in the class or or going back to college and you know for a guy that is fat for lack of a better term. Um, I think yeah, it's a pretty better, good term for him to be honest. But yeah, go on. Yeah, is he is he better going to an NBA team and 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 losing that fat really quickly, or is he better you know having to go back to class? Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that's an interesting point with him. It, it really depends on what they're telling him, right? I mean, if, if he's a, if he's a second round pick, then you go back to school. If he's a first round pick, you stay. I think it's kind of that simple. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing: Is there any chance at all the Clippers manage to get the Porter brothers? Ooh, so interesting. They don't have any picks behind. Do they have any picks behind twelve and thirteen in the first I round? I don't believe so. I think it's going to be you. you Somehow relying on the first Porter sliding all the way back to, to 12. I think I said 11 and 12 before. It's actually 12 and 13. So, um, right, yeah, right, right. It, it's, it's tough. They would How about to, this? How about this? How about this? They package 12 and 13, get up, get Porter, right? Yep. They trade Patrick Beverly to the Suns for number 16. Uh, and then they take Jonte there. They could do that. I like it. I really like that. Um, you know, the first, yeah. I think the first Porter, 12 and 13. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, health permitting Porter Jr. is the kind of guy that you want to trade up for if he's oh, sliding to, you know, seven, eight, nine. So, yeah, that's something to watch out. 
Yep, totally agree with you there. Okay, where are we at, Ryan? We're at 14. You're Denver Nuggets. Who are you picking? Oh, Denver, Denver, Denver. Uh, I'm, I like to think myself is, is pretty up with Denver. I, I've got a buddy that, that lives and, and follows Denver um, out there in Colorado, so talk a fair bit of Nuggets and, and Phoenix ball with him. So um, I would say they need to get more athletic. I would say that they definitely need more shooting, and I would say that despite number of power forwards on their roster, they're they're really missing, um, you know, someone to essentially be that first big off the bench behind Jokic and and Millsap, um, and and small forward too. So someone that can slide between the three and the four would be be perfect because uh, you know I think we mentioned shitting the bed. In the first episode, we did, and Wilson Chandler shat the bed last year in what should have been that the perfect did. opportunity for yeah. him to, uh, you know, really showcase his game. So the funny, um, yeah, that's exactly right. They they need someone exactly like him, right? <laughs> he just yeah, he isn't it exactly. So what are, you know, what are we looking at in the draft again? I've, I've struggled to keep up with with guys that we've picked and and haven't picked, but um, if I am Having a quick look now for Denver. Uh, do they go someone like Jacob Evans? Um, you know, he's six six. He's you know pretty much your kind of perfect three and D wing guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he measured out at at the at the combine um, for. Know, wingspan to to try and see if he'd you know be able to kind of yeah slide up I think and, that's that pick makes a lot of sense to me I don't know have you decided on that is that who you're going to pick yeah I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of fit and the, you know this is the position where you start to get to fit particularly with teams like Denver who you know are on that playoff bubble I think mm-hmm. uh, you know BPA goes you know starts to go more out the window um, you know especially because I really view a, a you know a great deal of these guys all kind of in the same tier and could go, you know, anywhere from now until the end of the first round. So Yeah, it starts to um, really bleed together here, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, Evans Evans makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, his weaknesses and why he's probably still here in the draft are, you know, things that he can and, and can't do offensively, so to speak. Um, but when you're looking at Denver, he's, you know, he's a you know, high level catch and shoot three guy, um, and you know his his negatives are more around what he you know can't do putting the ball on the floor and stuff. But he's just not going to be asked to do that at Denver. So he's not. Um, yeah, I, I I'm talking myself into that pick. He's he's Wilson Chandler's understudy for next year. Let's say. I love the pick. Uh, I think it's not going to happen because. Colin Sexton and Kevin Knox on the board, and NBA teams are incredibly high on those guys, so I think they'll take one of them. That's uh, fair. But I like—I mean, I love it. I think that'd be a great pick for them. Uh, should we should we touch on his fit with the Suns? I think for most of the reasons you already cited, it's a, it'd be good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think a, a lot of the same things apply. Again, getting back to that kind of Booker conversation, there's a couple of things right. that he can't can't do that he doesn't check boxes on. But um, again, you you really. You know, I hate hate using the, the term unicorn all the time, but you're almost looking for kind of a unicorn in this draft to, to play next to Booker. I think I've found a couple maybe later in this draft, so we'll, we will touch on that. But, um, yeah, you, you could definitely do worse than Jacob Evans for the Suns. Yep, I agree with you. 
Okay, let's go to 15. I have the unfortunate task of picking for the Washington Wizards, who, <laughs> my God, man, I, I don't know if there's a team that's like more frustrating than that team. Hey, at least they have the pick to use. That's true. They can <laughs> sure do with nailing this pick. Yeah, and I think, so, to me, they're, they're probably going to, they're going to view that their backcourt and wing positions are, are more settled because, you know, Wall, Beal, and Porter... I'd probably take a wing, but I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to see that Gortat, you know, the writing's on the wall with Gortat. Mm-hmm. That dude's not going to be on the team. Uh, maybe not even next year, but certainly not the year after that. Yep. Uh, I, so I think they're going to lean towards one of the bigs. Uh, I, I think they'll go Robert Williams, but I, it's, this is my pick, and I'm not going to pick Robert Williams. I'm going to go with Mitchell Robinson. Okay. He's a bit of a mysterious guy because he didn't play college basketball, and the circumstances around which he didn't play college basketball are strange, to say the very least. Uh, he also went to the Combine and withdrew almost immediately, yep. sparking some rumors that he had a promise from someone. Yeah, which is, yeah, it's it's difficult. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but the thing about him, his upside's enormous because he's he's a big old guy. He's a rim runner. Uh, he's kind of perf- kind of what you want the ideal modern five. Uh, if he projects, you know, if he, if he lives up to his projection, yeah, uh, I think he'd be a great fit in Washington because you know, as we said, they don't they don't have a big of the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a it's a smart pick. Um, definitely, you know, again around this position, you're kind of looking for um, you know, the the highest upside that you can get. Yep. Uh, I, I'm already looking at what this means for me at 16 with Phoenix, <laughs> um, but we'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind a guy like Robinson at Phoenix as well, just to, to kind of touch on that. So, sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, for, they for they, they dodge it, I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, should we move to 16 while Let's I've got one it. eye Let's on that? Let's move to the Phoenix Suns. So I'm in the really unfortunate position here that we kind of referenced before where... Sexton is still there. Oh no! If they go eight, and they would take him at sixteen. He, he won't be there at sixteen. But if they, if yeah, I don't think so. I think you know, there's probably a little bit of, uh, you know, our bias or, or, or whatever you want to call it that sure. has kind of dropped dropped Sexton to sixteen here. So, um, I'm gonna, I guess, remove him from the conversation by not picking him. Because Please do. As we say, uh, he probably won't be there anyway, and I definitely don't think it's the kind of guy that Phoenix will be looking for at 16 anyway. Agree. Particularly if they have drafted Dontich at number one, which is kind of what we're going with here. So this is kind of, you know, with him off the board, so to speak, this is what I was talking about before in in terms of here at 16, I'm really looking for a guy that... um, either can slot into the starting lineup next to Booker if we've taken Aiton at one. Um, and I'm also looking for a guy that may be able to, you know, be the first guard off the bench uh, to slot into a lineup, um, you know, maybe late in games where Doncic is, is slipping up to the four and you kind of, you know, really run this, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, kind of wall at people, mm-hmm. um, kind of like what we're seeing Boston do. So... Um, I've got a few names here, and as I alluded to before, I think yeah, it's it's really hard at this stage. We're still a month out from the draft um, when we're recording this, and 
you know, there's guys that I like at 16 that, that could well be there at 31 and that this is the beauty of the draft and this is where you kind of do all your homework before. Yeah, this, to, this draft in particular from, from, you know, like we said, 14 to, to the early second round, is, it's just a mismatch, man. Yeah, so a guy we've mentioned already before, Kevin Huerta, uh, I definitely have him there at 16 uh, and, and be looking at that. Um, you know, his shooting's, you know, obviously his his biggest strength and, and yep. play off the ball. Uh, I'm looking at a few other options here. I'm also looking at, um, you know, looking for clues with, with guys that Phoenix interviewed at the combine. Cause I think, you know, that's your kind of first real look into, you know, who Phoenix might be intrigued by, sure. so to speak. Um, you know, so you've got, you know, there was 20 names that I think Scott Bordeaux was the, was the first one to put it out there. And, um, it's pretty much the whole top of the class uh, outside of Dontich and Aiton, obviously. Um, and then you got guys like Troy Brown Jr., uh, Bruce Brown Jr., Chris Wilkes. Um, and then there's a guy that I really like. And I'm going to put my hand up here and say that he could be there at 31 at this stage, but I'm going to throw his name in the mix now. And that's a, a guy out of Creighton called Kyrie Thomas. Ah, okay. And... I'm just going to – I'm going to make the pick. I like it. I like it. 3 and D wing. Um, yeah. I mean, so there's some people who are pretty low on him. I know I know Jackson Hoy on Twitter is low on him, and I, 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 I'm I, not sure why they look into it, but I think it might be a feel thing. People are worried his feel's not great. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think – yeah, I've followed a few people with, you know, their draft coverage and um, – yeah, I think Jackson maybe believes, you know, there's obviously not a lot of upside there. Uh, he is kind of already 22 years old, I believe. So you're okay. kind of taking a, a bit of a safe bet. Um, and, you know, that real 3 and D kind of guy. Uh, the reason I really like him, and I'll kind of just touch on it really quickly, is because I've you know alluded to it before previously in the pod, is, you know, when I'm looking at those boxes to tick, uh, if I'm bringing in a guy to play next to Booker, um, whether it's in the starting lineup or, you know, late in games. I really like the fact that, you know, he's 6'3 with a 6'10 wingspan. Um, so he's, you know, going to be able to fit into that philosophy of, uh, you know, maybe taking the best offensive player and then moving everyone else around him. Very physical from the stuff that I've watched. Um, shout out to uh, Jacob Padilla on Twitter, guy that, uh, you know, covers Creighton and, and kind of put me onto him originally. Uh, so, you know, when I started watching him from then, um, you know, he's he's as good a lockdown defender, I think, that exists in this class, particularly at this kind of area of the draft. Okay. Um, and, and when I look at him, it's like, you know, people's, you know, nitpicking of him or weaknesses in his game. It's like the things come up is that he's 22, um, you know, not overly explosive. Um, and, you know, kind of that jack of all trades master of none but um you know that's kind of what i'm looking for at this pick to be perfectly honest which is you know totally why I'm staying, yeah why i'm staying safe uh i like it i would go a different direction but i like it okay what would you do i would take d'anthony melton okay uh, regardless of whether they have Dodgers or Aiton, because i just think his fit with booker is just ideal um he projects to be an incredible defender i mean that guy gets in people yeah. Um, the shot is the big question mark. I think it looked a little bit better at the combine. Uh, yeah. That's it's really going to hinge on whether he's a starter or not. Is whether he can shoot three, you know, reasonably well. 
but yeah, I, I, I'm really looking for fit with Booker at that at that spot, and I think he's the yeah. Best I think one. we're both on the same page. Yeah, there. like yeah. We're, we're looking at the same prospects, and and Melton's definitely a guy I have in the group. Um, you know, Milton's another. Melton's another. Yep. Uh, Thomas, Thomas, I have at the top. Um, and then, you know, maybe more traditional, you know, points in terms of SGA and, and then a couple of other guys after that, um, at both 16 and 31, if you're looking for that kind of booker partner, but, yeah. um, I think, yeah, uh, I think... SGA is a, is a run to the podium guy for, for McDee, right? Yeah. I think if he's there at 16, um, rather than say Sexton, you're kind of hoping that, you know, maybe Denver or the Clippers or someone, um, yeah go for Sexton instead of SGA yep. and he somehow managed to manages to fall or at least fall, um, you know, within reaching distance of, of McD. So I, I don't think he can get too far up from 16 with what he'd probably want to give up to do it. Um, so you're probably relying on him getting to maybe 13 or 14 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I agree the, Clip, with that. the Clippers, the Clippers at 13 perhaps would be happy to come back to 16 and, um, yeah, maybe you have to give them thirty-one. You or, are or spoiling like the first second, seven second last question. <laughs> I have, I have a, uh, a habit of doing that. It seems. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, that is um, just fine. But uh, that's probably a good yeah, segue, come, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's probably best to end it there. We're we're looking for the the same type of guy. We probably yes, just have yeah. a little bit of a different view on on who that should be. Yep, I think that's right. Uh, okay, that'll, that'll wrap up the 9 through 16 mock draft. We'll do next week, we'll do second round and uh, draft day trades. But Sounds before good. we go, let's do the seven second or less segment. This time I'm going to be asking you the questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, feeling the pinch. You did a pretty good job first time round, so. I don't have a problem talking fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so let's go. Let's just start with the first one. These are all going to be trade ups from 16. Okay. okay. First one is what I call the mini trade up. Jerry West is calling you. Clippers are up at uh, 13. They've picked Colin Sexton at 12. They didn't pick Shea Gilders-Alexander or Zaire Smith, who are both on the board. They want 16, 31, and the Milwaukee pick for you to go up, go to 13, and get yourself either Shea or Zaire. What are you doing? Ooh. I've only got seven seconds. Uh, I'm going No. No, okay. And very, very quickly, I really value that Milwaukee pick and I value who I can get at 16, even though I really love both of those guys. And one of them might fall. So I think that, that's probably reasonable. Yeah. Okay, second. This is what I call the medium trade-up. Yeah, Kobe Altman calling. Mm-hmm. Cavs are up at eight. They're pretty sure LeBron's leaving, they decided. So they they're decide they want more future assets. They don't love anyone at eight. Uh, they're 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 scared. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Trey Young are on the board, but they're worried about Trey Young's uh, defensive you know potential, and they're worried about Michael Porter Jr.'s health or, or or and also defensive potential. So they're they're looking to trade eight with those guys on the board. Do you trade 16, 31, Milwaukee, and also a top five protected pick next year to move up to take either Michael Porter Jr. or Trey Young? Yes. Okay, which and one? I say that not loving, um, you know, parts of either guy's game, but if Porter's there and you have his health records, you have to take the gamble on him at eight. Okay, I like it. All right, finally, you ready? This is the big trade-up. 
Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace is calling. Yep. They had their board as Luca, Aiton, and Bagley by far the top three picks. And what happened is Luca went one, Aiton went two, and Bagley went three. So Memphis is looking at a couple of developmental bigs. They see Bamba. They see Jaron Jackson Jr. And they're like, ah, we, we can't take one of those guys. We, we want to win now. But at the same time, they, they need future assets. They know that their window is short. Their window is closing. Yep. They need to get their inevitable rebuild started somehow. So they're looking to get guys who can help them now, but also future assets. And here's what they're going to propose to you. They want TJ Warren. Jared Dudley or Tyson Chandler, your pick. They don't really care about that part of it because, you know, they both expire. They can have Tyson. Okay. They, TJ Warren and Tyson. 16, a top four protected pick next year. The Milwaukee pick and the 2021 Miami pick. Also, they want you to take on Parsons' contract. But you get to go up to number four and take either JJ or Bombo to pair with Luca. You are not lying about this being the big trade-up option. It's everything. Uh, I'm on the clock for seven seconds, which I'm, I'm assuming Chris Wallace has only given me second, seven seconds to answer, so I'll be really quick. Um, I'm going to say no, but okay. it is extremely tempting because it's the type of deal that McDonough needs to eventually pull the trigger on and cash in some of those assets. Oh, yeah. And could you imagine Luca and Jaron Jackson on the same team with oh. Booker? Oh, man. It's kind of my dream scenario, but uh, yeah, maybe a little bit too much. I think that would be a... I mean, it would be a gutsy move, but it would be maybe a panic move by McD. Yep, and I think that 2021 Miami pick is, is such a valuable asset. Yeah, and as I touched on in, in question two, I actually really value the Milwaukee pick because I think it has a, a really high chance of, of conveying or, or not conveying all the way through to that uh, last protection, which is, I believe, unprotected in Giannis's last year. Yep, that's right. So, yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not moving that for... Um, you know, just as a, a throw-in, let's I, say. I totally agree with you because there's a chance you move that and uh, the Miami pick someday for Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Exactly. Uh, you got to keep those options open. Cool. Uh, well, I'm glad I got you to say yes to at least one trade. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. That's it for the show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Please, if you liked what you heard, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It would really help us out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MaxMCC11. You can follow David on Twitter at The Four Point Play. Uh, thanks, David. Appreciate it. Thanks, Max.